0: Hi, I'm Claudia. And I'm Andrea. <laughs> Are you confused yet? <laughs> you know, it was so funny when we did our True Crime Trivia Live, there were people that thought yes. I was you and you were me. It's was like, oh my God, I totally had the voices mixed up. And I never even thought about it kind of introducing ourselves, like, hey, I'm Claudia, and this is Andrea. I never, I never thought about it. I just figured you would know who's who. You should know. (laughs) If you don't know, you should know. Yeah. But hi, welcome. Hi, hello. This is a very, very short uh, little bonus content. I don't want to call it an episode because it's going to be super short, but it is a follow up. To the Jeffrey McDonald case that we talked about last week in a two part episode. So, I, a friend of mine, I grew up with her. We went to high school together and she lives in Texas. And uh, she was listening to the episode in the car. But she said, Listen, my ex husband used to live in that house. She was talking to him. And he heard the episode playing and he's like, oh my God, I used to live in that house. Let me type something up and record something and you can send it to her and she can do with it as, you know, she wishes, whatever. So he sent a recording of his, I guess, experience in the McDonald home on 544 Castle Drive So I'm going to play a recording. Are you ready? I'm ready. All All right. right. This is insanity. So crazy. I'm like, I would have passed out if he would have told me that. But I thought that was super interesting. So I'm going to play you guys Brian's recording about his time out on Fort Bragg.
1: My name is Brian Heitman, and I am a retired paratrooper. I was stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina for my second tour from January 1998 until July 2000. In spring 1999, my family and I acquired post quarters in the Bougainville housing area at 514 Castle Drive. I am not sure of the exact date, but in the fall or winter of 1999, or early 2000, we received some visitors at our door. I remember it was a Sunday, early afternoon, gloomy, cold, raining, And the elderly couple at the door was well-dressed. The gentleman had an umbrella that he shared with his wife, or I assume it was his wife. Uh, But the thing that stuck out most in my mind was that, despite it being in the 40-degree range and the fact that it was raining, he had no shoes or socks on. I remember my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Hannah, uh, was standing next to me in the doorway when the woman asked in a staged whisper. Is this the murder house? Well, that event has sparked an investigation on my part, piecing together data points from various open sources that produced the following conclusions on my part. These are my conclusions alone, uh, not endorsed by anyone or anything other than the criminal justice system at this point. I first went to the post MPs and asked what they could tell me. And all they gave me was a summary of the facts. McDonald had been in prison for nearly two decades. It was a long, closed case, and the only reason they kept what they did was because of the notoriety of the story. There were a lot of tourists, apparently, who wanted to see the murder house. When I told them why I was asking, the two soldiers on duty were a little creeped out. I don't know if they ever did an investigation. Not my problem. The couple never came back. I went to the library. I want to say it was the Fayetteville-Cumberland County Library, although it may have been the Fort Bragg Post Library, and I found two books on the subject, Fatal Justice by Jerry Allen Potter and Fred Bost, which came from the angle of McDonald's innocence, and Fatal Vision by Joe McGinnis, which began in a pro-McDonald mindset and traced the author's journey through the trial as he became convinced of McDonald's guilt. I read both from cover to cover. In the photograph section of Fatal Justice, I found a picture labeled 544 Castle Drive, but it was an image of my home taken from the street. In my mind, that settled why the couple showed up on the doorstep. So I went for a walk up the block to the actual 544 Castle Drive and thought to myself, well, that settles that. There was no resemblance. It was obviously an error. In reading the books, I became utterly convinced that Jeffrey McDonald is, as McGinnis labeled him, a narcissistic sociopath who brutally slaughtered his wife, two daughters, and unborn child in February 1970. His in-laws were firm supporters of Captain MacDonald, but further evidence turned them 180 degrees against him. McGinnis himself, a self-proclaimed liberal journalist who wanted to vindicate MacDonald, was terrified of the man by the trial's end. The physical evidence indicated him to be the killer, and only circumstantial evidence existed to validate his own story. And as I'm saying this, I'm reminded that I did a little research on the authors of Fatal Justice, and I can't tell you where I came to the conclusion, but it seems to me that it was an obvious conclusion to me that they were in some way connected with McDonald's family, which gave them motive for wanting to vindicate him. So all of those factors wrapped together, I was convinced. After the murders, rather than demolishing the building, the entire housing area was remodeled to become larger units. And this explained why my address, 514 Castle Drive, was thought to have been 544 Castle Drive, which was McDonald's address. My unit had, at the time of the murders, been numbered 544 Castle Drive. In an article in the Fayetteville Observer announcing that the building was finally to be demolished on Saturday, March 15, 2008, More photos of the crime crime scene showed in the front of my unit with the front door of the unit next to mine after the remodel. At that time it had been the front door to my unit. It was wide open and MPs were moving in and out. I recognized that front porch. I went up it so many times, up those stairs so many times, I couldn't begin to tell you. As I understand it, McDonald is trying for another appeal based on the evidence from fatal justice. May God guide the justice system to the proper and just conclusion. Thank you for hearing my story.
0: Wow. Wow. Wasn't that something? So first of all, thank you so much, Brian, for going through the trouble of recording it and even typing it out. And let me play this on the air. Brian, very cool. Thank you for sending that in really appreciated yeah so it was something so because when she told me that her ex lived in that house I'm like oh my gosh they didn't tear it down after the murders and she said no they just changed the address to 514 and moved 544 up the street or down the street I don't know But so weird, like how many people lived in that house since then and how many people probably knocked on that door. Hey, is this a murder house? (laughs) You know, in real estate, you do have to let someone know if someone has died in that house. Well, this was in the... Yeah, true. But I wonder, since it's now labeled a new address... Mm -hmm. If that rule still applies. I don't know. But it's also on the military base. So there is no real estate agent. This is on base. There's like a whole different set of rules on base that don't (laughs) apply anywhere else. Or, you know, or it's just different living on base. So I just wanted... To share this with you guys, and I just thought that was super nice, super creepy. That is so creepy. To have people randomly knock on your door and be like, hey, mister, (laughs) like, why would anybody drive by there? That happens all the time, though. Well, it is true because I saw a couple pictures and somebody is like, hey, I saw Chris Watts' house is up for sale. And I'm like... First of all, it was her house. Okay. She paid for it. That motherfucker didn't pay for shit. That's true. Okay. Yeah. But I, I just think that's weird. I mean, if I happen to be in the neighborhood, <laughs> but I wouldn't drive all the way to Colorado or to North Carolina just to see the house. Yeah, but that couple, you know, he said it was 40 degrees and the guy didn't have shoes on. No shoes, no socks. It was cold. And he said they were well-dressed, you know, and had an umbrella, but no socks, no shoes. And that is, that reminds me of hippies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That is weird. And I don't know, Brian, if you're listening to this, did you ask them about why they're not wearing any shoes or why the gentleman was not wearing any shoes or socks, I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That yeah. was so interesting. I wonder how often they do that. They I just switch the house numbers. Oh, it no. probably happens more often than we want to know. Mm. Because I think even Chris Watts's or Shan- Shanann a house I think they changed the house number on it or or the street name or something they did that too it probably happens way more often probably so wow yeah thank you for sending that in well yes thank you again and thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon yep okay bye, bye.